Welcome to the Dreadcast. I'm Donovan Dread. In this episode, we're going to hear stories from six different people describing their very odd and strange encounters with the supernatural. But before we get into the stories, check out dreadsarmy.com for daily news of the strange and weird. Now here's the stories. Hi Donovan. I have something absolutely terrifying to share. This happened three months ago behind my house in Catanning, PA. I had a few friends over on a Saturday evening, and we were all hanging out in my backyard having a cornhole tournament. I recently got really into cornhole, and so did a few of my friends, so now we play every chance we get. I've spent so much money on the different kinds of bags you wouldn't believe. Anyways, it's about 8pm and we had been playing for a few hours and having some drinks, when we started hearing this really weird noise coming from the back of my property. We were playing under the lights because I have this big old spotlight in my backyard, so we can play late at night. Now, I'm a hunter and so are a lot of my friends, and we all hear this noise and no one recognizes what it could be. I don't even know if I could describe it, but imagine a bullfrog mixed with a gorilla. I know that sounds batshit crazy, but that's the best I can describe it. I know it doesn't make any sense, and we felt the same way. But we kept hearing it, so my one buddy John thought it was a good idea to go into the woods and see if we can find what's making this sound. There were four of us who decided to go looking, and I grabbed a spotlight and we set off into the woods. Now when we were playing cornhole, it sounded like this thing was maybe 40 or 50 yards away, as best as I could tell. We're in the woods about where I thought it was coming from, and now the sound is even further away. So we go further in and the sound is moving like it's either trying to get away for us or trying to bait us for a trap. Well, it was certainly the latter. Because what happened next is why we don't play cornhole at my house anymore. My friend John shouts out to the group, Hey, look over by that tree. We see this thing because I don't know what else to call it. This yellowish hairless creature standing behind the tree with its claws wrapped around the front of the tree like it was hugging it. As soon as John said that, this thing jumps out from behind the tree and starts making these crazy sounds, which sound like it's coming from the back of its throat. It had this rectangular head and very deep-set eyes that were glowing red. Its mouth looked like it had three or four rows of teeth. It looked like it could bite through an arm or leg if it got a hold of one. Its veins were also bulging all over its body. Just writing about it makes me kind of sick. It was also pretty tall, maybe a foot taller than us, but it was kind of thin but muscular. My friend Will, who is always carrying, thank God, pulled out his nine and shot at this thing three times but missed. It moved as soon as he reached for his weapon. It moved so fast like it could sense what was going to happen before it occurred. That was the last we saw it. It just took off after Will shot at it. I was at a loss on what to do. I didn't report anything to the police because I don't know what to say. We go to John's house now for cornhole, and we all carry all of the time. I was renting my house, but I found another place. I don't want to live somewhere where that thing is lurking my backyard. What on God's green earth could this have been? My friends think it escaped from some facility near my old place. There was this warehouse there that no one really knew what went on there. It's all fenced in, too, and really out in the middle of nowhere. 
I didn't even know it existed until one of my buddies showed it to me on Google Maps. I don't know if they're running some crazy genetic experiments back there, or this thing came from another dimension, or underground. But one thing is for sure, I don't want to run into it again. Thanks, Daryl. Hey Donovan, I would normally keep this type of encounter to myself, but I've really come to enjoy your show and the way you treat everyone with dignity. I don't look for trouble or drama, you know what I mean? When I got my new truck camper rig set up, I just wanted to get into the woods and soak up the peace and quiet, especially considering all the freaking problems I had to work out to get the whole thing up and running. My first trip was heading out west to the Umpqua National Forest to get some relief from this insane heat we've been having. I got to know this guy on the internet who was always talking about these incredible crystals he was finding. They were unbelievable. Stuff you'd see at gem shows for some serious money. He was digging them out of the earth. Me and my brother were always rock hounding when we were kids. I love how you can find spectacular things for free if you know where to look. It took me a couple 10-hour driving days, but me and my dog Jack made it to Grants Pass, Oregon, and got a hold of Patrick, you know, the internet guy. He was going to get me set up with a boondocking spot near Myrtle Creek, about an hour up north. We met up at the diner there for coffee. Patrick looked like some kind of forest sprite with his green eyes and intense hair. He was shy and seemed out of place in town. He told me he knew places in the woods that most people were unaware of. Because of his hobby of planting baby fir trees, he got really into the thick of things out there. He was driving this all beat up station wagon with the back half of the roof caved in. I followed him out of town until we accessed this creekside dirt road. Then we just kept heading west until we were surrounded by these enormous trees everywhere. I'm telling you, Donovan, they were enormous. And it was like nothing had ever been there until we arrived. And besides the sound of the river, it was dead silent. You'd think with all those trees you would hear a bird or two. Not one bird sound did I hear. Patrick showed me a spot of level ground where I could park the camper and get settled in. He took a tool roll out of the back of the station wagon and unrolled it onto the ground. There were hammers and chisels and safety goggles and headlamps and other things in there. He seemed to know what he was doing. He pulled two hooded black vinyl ponchos out of his backpack and whispered that I should put one on. That seemed weird to me. There wasn't any rain, but he whispered that it would keep us more concealed. I didn't understand, but I didn't argue. It was so shadowy and quiet. I already felt concealed from everything, but something about that place wouldn't even let you speak out loud. He was going to take me to one of his favorite spots upstream in exchange for me helping him list and sell his findings. I got Jack leashed up and ready to go, then Patrick said it wasn't safe to bring the dog. Not safe? What did that mean? It was strange, but it was like Patrick was someone you didn't question. Like, why are we wearing ponchos? Why can't the dog come? Why is your car bashed in? I staked Jack out on his leash and we headed into the brush beside the river. Once you got in there, you could see a faint path. It was evening and I was kind of hungry and feeling grungy and sticky from sweating through my last two days of driving. But I knew Patrick had limited time and this was really a rare opportunity to have such an experienced guide. The stream was really rushing along, but then we came to this spot where it widened out and partially flowed into a shallow cave. 
Patrick pointed at the cave like that's where we're supposed to go. We put on the headlamps and headed into the cave. It stunk. It smelled like an unwashed human had been living in there for weeks. But obviously, we were pretty far off the beaten path, so I didn't know what to think. When Patrick started digging at the water's edge, right away he started uncovering these gorgeous crystals. I was stunned. How could something like that be so close to the surface? I dug in and felt like I was in a dream with these perfect specimens I was unearthing. The beauty and the odor really didn't go together. I was immersed in my search. It was so dark and quiet. Then crash! Into the mouth of the cave burst my dog, Jack. He was yelping and howling and tearing at my poncho like he was possessed. He looked like a cat with all of his hair standing on end. He dragged and dragged at me, pulling me towards the cave's opening. And then I heard the most unearthly whooping sound, and this stench became truly unbearable. Rocks started raining down at the opening of the cave. Jack was all wild-eyed. All I could do was succumb to his pulling me outside. It was chaos everywhere. Rocks and water and mud and howling. And then suddenly my vision was filled with this brown hairy mass of this like 10 foot tall creature. It howled and swiped at me and I ran. I followed Jack blindly out of that hell pit and didn't stop until I got us both into the truck and locked the doors. Patrick followed shortly and slammed himself into his car and took off. I was stunned. Barreling out of those woods, I was unable to make sense of anything. My 30-pound dog had ripped his stake out of the ground to come find me and save me from this thing. Later on, I was reading about Bigfoot sightings in that area and wishing I had known that sooner. Some people even said they had used pheromones to tempt him out of hiding. I'm sure I was emitting some pretty ripe emanations that day after my lack of showering, but holy cow. I have no words. I am not looking for any trouble. Hey Donovan, I'm a psychology student at Temple University. I'm a big fan of your show and follow a lot of cryptid channels. I'm fascinated by how the human mind sees monsters in the shadows. But I've never been a big believer in the existence of legendary animals or the supernatural. However, this summer I had my own strange encounter that is making me rethink my past assumptions. I've gone over the encounter again and again in my head, and no amount of rationalization or psychological theories can explain the physical evidence I encountered. I want to tell myself that I didn't see anything supernatural, just a mundane animal that my adrenaline-fueled mind saw as demonic. But I was not alone in this encounter, and the person with me described what I saw in perfect detail. I admit I was terrified by what I saw, but the scholar in me is persistent, and I made sure to have her write down what she saw before we spoke about it. I didn't want to risk talking about it first and tainting each other's memories of the event. Sorry if I sound like a nerd, but this is why I listen to cryptozoology podcasts and YouTube channels in the first place, to understand human psychology. I guess I should give you some backstory. I was at a party two months back at a friend of a friend's house in West Philly. I met a cute girl from Drexel, who was an engineering major, and we hit it off. It came out in the conversation that she was big into backpacking and wanted to hike the entire Appalachian Trail after she graduated. I grew up camping a lot and being in the outdoors, so I offered to go backpacking with her sometime. 
Looking back, that is a little creepy to offer to take some girl you just met out into the woods all alone. But she was all for it, so we made plans to go the following weekend. I'm not from Philly, so I don't really know the area. But I heard the New Jersey Pine Barrens weren't too far, and they were known for being a vast range of wilderness, and I wanted to impress her. A casual hike on a crowded trail didn't seem like enough. So, we headed to South Jersey for what I hope would be a cool experience in the Pine Barrens. It was awkward at first, just the two of us alone. There was no one else to chime in when the conversation lagged, but I thought it was still going well. We were about three miles into the hike when I noticed this strange smell. It was like someone had just lit off fireworks in the area. There was a sulfurous haze hanging in the air. She wrinkled her nose up and she smelled it too. She walked past me to get away from the smell, but she jumped back with a yelp. She looked at me wide-eyed and nodded to the trail behind her. A torn-up deer carcass was in the path. I could see drag marks in the sandy soil. It looked like something had purposely dropped the body there. I assume we scared off whatever predator, maybe bears or coyotes, from their kill when we got close. We walked another few miles and made our camp. Our plan was to walk to a different trail that looped back to where we parked in the morning. She brought a small tent, and it was summer, so I didn't bother bringing my own. I just tied a tarp up over me in case it rained and set my sleeping bag down. She probably would have let me in the tent, but I didn't want to presume anything. I slept for a few hours, but then something woke me up. My skin was prickling like I was in dry desert heat. The sulfur stench we smelled near the mutilated deer carcass was in the air again, but this time it was stronger. My nose and throat felt irritated like I was breathing in smoke. My eyes adjusted to the darkness, and I saw this shape at the edge of the clearing. The shape was large. It had this long horse-like head and a thin neck. I didn't see much of its body because I was distracted by its intense red eyes. My date peeked her head out of her tent and asked if I smelled the sulfur. She followed my gaze to the creature by the tree and gasped. It screeched and leapt into the air and spread these bat-like wings. As it flew away, it smashed into this tree branch about 20 feet up. We both look at each other like, what in the hell is going on? I wanted to abandon all my things and started hiking back to the car right then and there. But we both knew that we couldn't make it in the dark. We didn't sleep well the rest of the night, and I eventually went into her tent. I didn't want to be out there just under my tarp if this thing came back. Not that the tent could protect us, but at least it keeps you hidden. At first light, we got up to leave. On the way out, we saw the branch it broke on the ground, and it also left this indent on the soil where the creature took off. I haven't went camping since, but that girl that I dated is now my girlfriend. Thanks for listening to my crazy story. I'm a doctor, and I'm constantly at the hospital working day and night. Honestly, I see strange things all the time and must shrug it off and keep working. But there is one experience that will always haunt me. If you ask me publicly if I believe in anything that hasn't already been proven with science, I'd say no. But your channel has given me an opportunity to talk about something that has deeply confused me. I was checking on a patient who was experiencing chronic headaches. She kept chanting that they were in control. I had the nurse administer her some pain meds and recommended she be sent to the psych ward. 
She had no opposition to her recommended treatment, but was adamant that she didn't want to be left alone. When I asked her who they were, she told me that they were reptile demons and that they were going to harvest her soul if she wasn't careful. She said that they had been tormenting her for years and that she'd been trying to fight them off, but they were too strong. I tried to comfort her and assure her that we would take care of her, but she pleaded with me not to leave her alone. I spoke with the nurses and we decided to keep a close eye on her and have someone always stay close to her. We also increased her pain medication to help ease her symptoms. I kept in touch with her over the next few days and she seemed to be improving a lot. She wasn't as agitated and was starting to relax quite a bit. The nurses reported that she hadn't been having any strange or out-of-the-ordinary hallucinations recently. She even started to develop some relationships with some of the other patients in the psych ward. It's possible whatever was causing her headaches was also causing the hallucinations, but without further testing, we couldn't say for sure. I advised her to continue taking the pain medication and to let the nurse know if she started experiencing any more hallucinations or if her headaches worsened. One day, I was walking by her room and I saw these menacing shadows on the wall next to her bed. It made me stop and walk backwards to confirm what I was seeing. What I saw next gives me chills to this day. A lizard creature looked at me right in the eyes. It was almost seven feet tall and its skin looked scaly and shiny. It had these huge claws and yellow cat-like eyes that seemed to pierce my soul. I tried to run, but it felt like my feet were glued to the floor. The last thing I remember before passing out was its forked tongue flicking in and out of its mouth. When I came to, the nurses were gathered around my bed with concerned looks on their faces. They asked me what happened, and all I could do was tell them to check on that patient's room. A security guard later explained to me that the patient was nowhere to be found, and her sheets were ripped to pieces and covered in blood. We never saw or heard from that patient again, and we had to call her family and explain that she had left the building and that we were actively looking for her. To this day, the family is still searching for her, but my intuition tells me that nobody will ever see her again. Did the reptile demon succeed in harvesting her soul? The skeptic in me wants to say that she lost her mind, scratched herself furiously, ran out of the hospital, and who knows where she is now. But my intuition tells me that the reality is downright unexplainable. I keep trying to tell myself that I simply saw the reptile demon because my patient had mentioned it earlier and I hallucinated. I keep trying to tell myself that I worked too many hours, saw some strange things that weren't there, and collapsed from exhaustion. That's how I experienced it. I can still make out every detail of that lizard creature. I haven't even told my spouse that this happened to me, and I really thought I was going to take this experience to my grave. My nephew showed me an episode of your show on YouTube, and that's why I'm writing to you today. Do I really think there are lizard people out there roaming around? Absolutely not. It simply just sounds too absurd to me. Do reptilians exist in any capacity? No, the only reptiles are simply that, reptiles. Did I see the lizard creature in my patient's room? Undeniably, yes. That's why it bothers me even so much even today. Everything I know and believe tells me that what I saw I shouldn't have seen. But I remember it like it was yesterday. 
and now when people share their paranormal experiences, my ears perk up. I feel it necessary to include that I'm not on any medication, and wasn't on any at the time of my encounter with what my patient referred to as the reptile demon. Now, of course, I haven't seen anything like that before or after that event, and I don't expect to see anything this strange ever again, but the hospital has never felt the same to me since. My patients are always sharing the craziest stories with me of what goes on in their rooms, and I want to share my experience with them and to let them know that they aren't crazy. But I never will, though. If I was in the hospital and my doctor said he saw a seven-foot lizard creature in my room, I wouldn't hesitate to find another doctor. Maybe someday we'll be able to share our personal experiences and not live in fear of what others might think. Until then, I'll keep listening to your channel with conflicting emotions and try to keep an open mind. I've never written into a show before, but the experience I had is keeping me up at night. I'm hoping if you read it, someone will say something in the comments, like they've heard of this or maybe even seen one themselves. I live near Franconia Notch in New Hampshire. I'd prefer not to say the actual town name, but it's a pretty small town, a Christian community. I'm afraid of what my neighbors would say if I told them I saw this thing on my property. We have black bears here and they're always getting in your trash cans. I've even seen a young black bear robbing bird seed from my bird feeder. So when I kept finding my cans overturned, I felt pretty strongly that bears were the culprit. I don't believe in shooting animals. I don't own a gun. When I see bears near the house, it's usually enough to go out with a couple of frying pans and clang them together. Unless you get between a mother and her cubs. Bears around here at least are pretty easy to scare off. Where I live is pretty far from any real city, and there's not much reflected light. It gets really dark, but the upside is you can see a lot of stars. Since I was having trouble with my trash cans, I installed some of those motion sensor lights on the back of my house. A few weeks ago, I was settled in in front of the TV in my living room, watching the 11 o'clock news, when the motion sensor lights came on, and I heard a trash can get knocked over. So I scrambled up and ran into the kitchen to grab a couple of saucepans. Then I rushed out to the back door to catch the bears in the act. I figured if I could do this a few times and make a lot of noise right when they were scrounging the cans, they'd associate the unpleasant sound with the act and maybe find someone else to bother. But when I got out on my back porch, I didn't see any bears. The lights were blazing and I scanned the yard, but all I saw was overturned trash cans. There were bags on the ground that had spilled out, but nothing had been torn open. I figured when the lights came on, the bear took off. At least that's what I thought at the time. I wasn't wearing shoes, but I knew I'd better toss the bags back in and secure the lid, or the raccoons would come by and make a mess. I stepped back into the kitchen and put on my wellies, then tromped out into the yard. I bent down to pick up one of the bags, but then I noticed the black plastic had beads of moisture on it. It hadn't rained for a few days, and I was pretty sure inside of the can was dry. I was about to pick it up, but I was kind of grossed out, wondering if the animal, the bear, the raccoon, had urinated on it. I sniffed the air, but I didn't smell anything. I decided to play it safe and walked around to the side of the porch where I keep a pair of latex gloves. I was rummaging through the shelves on the porch looking for the gloves, 
when the backyard light timed out since I wasn't in the yard. It was annoying since now I had no illumination to help me find the gloves, but I found them a few minutes later without having to go back inside and get a flashlight. I stepped back onto the grass and headed through the side yard to the back, where the trash cans were. When I got to the corner of the house, the motion detector kicked in, and the floodlights came back on. What I saw stopped me in my tracks, my blood running cold. It defied explanation. There was a creature like nothing I've ever seen before, crouched over the trash bags. It had almost a human form except it was really gaunt, and the head was elongated. It was completely naked and hairless, even its head, and its skin was kind of a weird pale color. It was crouched down on all fours like an animal. I didn't know what I was seeing. My mind just couldn't process it. I gasped and the thing looked up. Its face was absolutely terrifying. Big, black, oval-shaped eyes. No nose at all. Its mouth was just this open, black pit. I think it saw me watching it because it suddenly made this weird clicking sound. I stumbled back, too afraid to even run, and this thing scooted away. Super fast. It was like a blur it was so fast. On all fours the whole time. The yard lights were still on, and I could see it now crouched on the side of the garage. When I say crouched on the side of the garage, I mean literally it was defying gravity, crouched on all fours, somehow clinging to the side wall of my garage. My eyes were glued to it. I was too afraid to turn my back on it. I was so scared I felt like I was going to pass out. It skittered away and suddenly it was on the roof of the garage. The way it moved was almost the most frightening aspect. It was there and then it was somewhere else. Then the light yards went out because I had stayed motionless for a few minutes and then the thing was out of range. So for a split second, I'm in the absolute darkness with this creature. I took two tiny steps forward and then the lights came back on. Thank God. I looked at the roof, but it was gone. It was several more minutes before I was brave enough to move towards the backyard, but I knew if I didn't move, the lights would go out again. I had to come out to the back door, and that was the only door that was unlocked. I didn't see it again. I got back inside the house and locked the doors and the windows. I left the garbage can overturned on the grass, and the bags right where they lay. Raccoons and bears were the least of my worries. I haven't got a decent night of sleep since that incident. Well, that's my story. I'll be curious to know if anyone else has ever seen this creature, and if they have any more information about it. I hope it never comes back. I can't even make myself go outside at night anymore. My grandfather had something really strange happen to him when he was seven years old. He was playing in the backyard and was suddenly overwhelmed by the smell of rotting garbage or something decomposing. He decided to investigate and started poking around at the edge of the woods that bordered the yard. Grandpa moved branches and the foliage with a long stick, but he didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Both of his parents had told him many times not to go in the woods alone, but the smell got stronger and the curiosity pushed him into the trees. He stepped carefully, sure that he was close to a dead raccoon or possum and not wanting to step on it. Grandpa kept going 
and in just a few minutes he came to a small clearing that he didn't recognize. The smell of rotted garbage was so thick that he was nearly choking. But that wasn't the weirdest part. Directly in the middle of the clearing was something that definitely did not belong. When he told me the story, he described it as a silver Rubik's Cube, and it was four or five stories high. The outside was covered in what Grandpa's seven-year-old brain identified as armor of some kind that glowed a bit where the sunlight was hitting it. It was completely smooth, and there was a walkway of some kind leading down to the ground. Standing at the bottom of the walkway were two figures that looked mostly human, except for their weird clothing and elongated heads. It looked like they had been waiting for him. Once they spotted him looking at them, they started beckoning at him, waving him closer with hands that only had three long fingers. They were wearing what looked like what my grandfather identified as work clothes, some kind of overall or jumpsuit that looked like they were made out of the same material as rain boots. They were taller than Grandpa, but definitely not giants. Grandpa couldn't help himself. He started walking towards them. He said that it felt like an invisible rope was pulling him closer, step by step. He wasn't afraid at all, just insanely curious about what was inside that shiny cube. By now, he had decided that these figures must be aliens. He'd seen them in his older brother's science fiction magazines, and he knew that they came from the far reaches of the galaxy. But his older brother had told him that all the stories were all made up. Grandpa couldn't wait to tell him about this. Before he knew it, he was up the walkway and inside the ship. There was one alien on either side of him, but they weren't touching him. It was bright inside, but he couldn't see any wires or light bulbs. It was like the walls in a long hallway were lit from within. It seemed to stretch out for miles on either side and seemed much bigger on the inside than it appeared from the outside. The trio started walking down the hallway. The aliens were chattering away with each other in a series of chirps and clicking sounds. But Grandpa didn't think they were trying to talk to him. He did take a moment to wonder why he wasn't scared. A year earlier, a little boy had disappeared from the small town where my grandfather's family lived. So he'd received many lectures about avoiding strangers and the danger of going off with someone he didn't know. He knew this wasn't what his parents had in mind during those conversations. But who could have possibly imagined this? Grandpa didn't see any stairs or doors on their long walk. He wanted to see the place where the aliens flew the ship. He also didn't see anything that hinted towards the cause of the rotten smell. So realized it must have been coming from the aliens themselves. The taller alien finally stopped in front of a portion of the wall that looked exactly like the rest to my grandfather's eyes. He reached inside of his jumpsuit and pulled out a card, which he waved in front of the wall and then it slid open. And that is when Grandpa started to get a bit nervous. It looked like a doctor's office with a table in the middle of a large room. There were some machines clustered around the table, but more alarmingly, there were eight more aliens standing there. They stood in a line with their hands clasped in front of their bodies. The two accompanying my grandfather each grabbed one of his little arms but they didn't have to drag him to the table because his feet were still moving under some other power. He walked right to the table and then stepped up on the little stool that seemed to be there for just that purpose. Grandpa sat on the edge of the table, his legs dangling over the side. 
What was going to happen? Would they hurt him? Would they take them back to their planet? Would he ever see his family again? One of the aliens approached, chirping softly. It slowly reached out a hand and patted my grandfather on the head. And then it pulled a giant pair of scissors out of nowhere. My grandfather finally started yelling, and that was the last thing he remembered. When he woke up, he was lying in his own backyard, just a few yards from the porch. He could hear his mother yelling in the house, saying that it was time for everyone to get up for the day. It was chilly and his head and feet were really cold. He ran his hands over his body, but nothing hurt or seemed out of place. Grandpa reached up his hand to his scalp and found that his hair was completely cut away in some places. And that is where the story ended. When I asked him what happened next, he just said, I got in trouble for cutting my own hair. He never told his parents about any of it because he didn't want to get yelled at for going into the woods alone.